Welcome to Indians on Deck. I'm Matt Schlichting, and as always, I'm here with Brian Hemminger. Brian, what's up? Oh, I am so excited. We just finished the MLB draft last week, and shorts, more short season baseball starts this week, particularly the Mahoning Valley season, which is going to be insane. Yes, it is. And I believe we're going to kick off this week's episode. You've got some information about players from the draft that have gone ahead and signed. Yep, and these could be potentially players that could join the Mahoning Valley roster, at least uh, the college uh, players. But 10th round draft pick, who was a senior, uh, Zach Hart, out of Franklin Pierce University, University slot value $137,500. What, what's your guess on how much they signed him for? I'm going to guess a solid 85000 $5,000. What? <laughs> it is a terrible thing that teams do is they draft a senior. He's a senior. Okay. So they don't have another year to go back and prove themselves. And they go, here's $5,000. Take it or you don't get to be a professional ball player. And they go, all right. <laughs> I guess I want to play baseball more. Yeah. The Indians, not just the Indians do that. Every team does that. I think there was one team that drafted, I think they had six players in their top 10 draft picks that they signed for $5,000 just, sounds just like so that they the could race. afford. Well, they, yeah, they did it just so that they could afford like a couple big time prospects that went way over slot on. It's an it's a ugly truth of MLB minor leagues. But yeah, if you're a college senior, you better be really, really good or you're getting $5,000. And then uh, they're at, and the other one was actually their second round pick, Jordis Valdez, the, the best defensive player shortstop in the whole draft. They took it picked 63 overall. His slot value was 1,080,000, and they signed him for 1,001,000. So the difference was 79,000. Saved $79,000 on that one, and they saved 137,000 on Zach Hart. So, you know, they're coming in over $200,000 saved so far out of their bonus pool. And I know that they have a couple players that they are going over on. So they're going to have to pay up for them. So that's either savings that they have right there. They, they could spend on a couple project managers or they're going to the other draft picks. Yep. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I already can tell you, I think Christian Cairo is going to go over slot. Probably. <laughs> And there was a 12th round pick that they took out of high school. And once you get past the top 10 rounds, some of those kids, you can offer them up to 125000 I think. Anything more than that, it comes out of your bonus pool. And I'm pretty sure that they are going to go over slot on one of their high school picks in the 11th, round 11 through 40. We'll have more info on that as it comes. But that is our Indian signing. We'll have a big article, like kind of tracking Indian signing all their draft picks. And getting them uh, out in the field. I think they had about 30 players out at the spring training facility uh, just this week. So trying to get them signed and get them through workouts and physicals and all that stuff. So now that we are through the signings from the draft, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to go ahead and kick things off with the top 10 players from the Indian system this week. Uh, Tristan McKenzie. He does not exist. I, I don't know who that is that you speak of. <laughs> I heard he was good. Yeah, he, he was good. And then he dropped off the face of the earth uh, in spring training. 
But yeah, no new news on Tristan McKenzie. I think he's tweeted a couple times just in support of some mm-hmm. of his buddies who have done good things like Juan Hillman making the all-star team for the, the Carolina League and a few other things. So he does exist, I guess, but he's still not playing. Like, I don't know anything about when he'll be back, if he's doing any rehab starts or anything. So I'm assuming that when he is ready to start doing rehab starts, he'll make an appearance or two in Arizona and then just absolutely humiliate hitters, like make them just cry to their mama, and then they'll send him back to double A. That's what I'm hoping for. That's our update on Tristan McKenzie. But moving on, we have Nolan Jones, number two prospect. How did he do? This was such a weird... We talk about Nolan Jones and his ability to draw walks, Mm -hmm. and he's got some other fun tools, but this week was just like the most Nolan Jonesy week that you could imagine because his slash line was 0.083, so less than 100. Uh, but then his on-base percentage was 353, and he slugged 333. His BABIP was zero because his only hit was a dinger, and that doesn't count when it's in play. <laughs> he had three walks, two hit by pitches, struck out seven times, whatever. But that all added up to a WRC plus of 114. So, so one of the weirder weeks we've seen so far. Yeah, that that was the anti-Benson. Remember in the beginning of the year, <laughs> Will Benson had a thousand BAPIP. Like every time he <laughs> yep. made contact with the ball, it was a it was a hit. This time, anytime a ball is in play, it was not a hit. I'm sure that that will regress positively. To still have a 353 ba- uh, on base percentage with a BAPIP of zero is insane. <laughs> Oh, oh my <laughs> yeah. God. That's awesome. So our third guy up was Tyler Freeman, and he yeah, he did. He was okay. He was right. Had a slash of 241, 290 with a 241 slugging. So definitely not a typical Tyler Freeman week. I mean, it's not horrendous. I mean, it's better than Jose Ramirez is doing right now. But, I mean, that's not saying <laughs> much. <laughs> and uh, But, uh, yeah, he'll bounce back. I mean, this is actually two... Two down weeks in a row for Tyler Freeman, so I don't know what's up. I mean, he seems healthy, but I would like to see him get back on track because he is just too talented to to not be. Moving on, we got Bo Naylor. Looks like uh, Bo Naylor did all right. Yeah, he, as we mentioned last week, it looked like he might have been finding his footing a little bit. And so his slash line for this week was 235, 286, 412, which doesn't look great on the face of it. But early on, we were worried as to whether or not he got moved too far too fast Mm -hmm. but he had a double he had a triple he stole a base he had a you know for what he's been dealing with so far this season he had a pretty good week for himself that that, that is positive momentum and it seems like he's been doing that for a couple weeks in a row now so maybe you know Mm -hmm. tyler freeman touched that magic ball in uh the monsters and gave it to a little bit to (laughs) bo neighbor Hopefully. Yeah. And then moving uh, on. George. Yeah. George Valera. We have nothing. Yep. He'll start on Friday and we'll be talking about that very shortly. And it's going to be awesome. Oh, it's going to be so awesome. So hang tight, guys. <laughs> I can't wait for next week's podcast. Yeah. I, it's a lot of guys that we've been really excited to talk about for literal months now. And we're going to have like four days of numbers and we're going to overanalyze them and you're going to love it. So be ready. Uh, Bobby Bradley was the next man in our top 10 here. And yeah, it was, nothing it was, crazy. Yeah. You know, 238 
with a two thirty eight on base percentage. So no walks, which is a bit surprising. Who needs them? But he did hit a home run, and then he actually hit another one today, which doesn't count uh, towards our stats keeping. But just he'll be off to a good start for next week's podcast. It, it counts in our hearts. Yeah. The one he hit today put him back in the organizational lead at 18. So he has hit 18 home runs this year. I think the top Indian is Carlos Santana at like 13. That sounds right. And nobody else has more than 11, I think. So just imagine if we had a guy hitting 18 home runs in Cleveland right now. Hmm. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? (laughs) It'd be all right. Yeah. With a 343 on base percentage, that'd be nice. Moving on, Brian Rocchio also has still not started his season, but... Just like George Valera, he begins Friday. So stay tuned for Brian Rocchio. We are going to be hearing a lot about him moving forward. And then we had Luis Oviedo, the man of the mysterious ups and downs. How did he do? It was one start. It was okay. Five innings pitched, one earned run. Uh, He walked a couple of guys, hit another one, only had one strikeout. Yeah, that's, that's perplexing. I've noticed that his overall strikeout rate this season is down pretty significantly i mean last year he was striking out more than a batter an inning this year i think he's what at about six per nine and so this is strikeout rate this is where it gets tough for us because like we're not out there watching these guys unfortunately so if the organization has said to oviedo like hey we see that you can strike guys out on your breaking stuff forget it this season we don't want to see you throw it ever for a strikeout, focus on a changeup or like maybe a, a different fastball to try to get guys out. I'm not sure if that's what's happening or if it's just that he's forgotten how to pitch. But given the talent that we've seen from this guy, I would expect that maybe it's the organization telling him, like, try to develop these things since you have proven that your other stuff can get guys out. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that they did that when he was in the rookie league, and then they unleashed him last year, and that's when he had his breakout. So I'm not sure, because last year he had an 11.4 strikeouts per nine innings in low A when he won pitcher of the week three weeks in a row. I mean, he was the pitcher of the year in that league, and then he got promoted late in the season. And I think he had an injury as well. I'm not positive on that, but I know at the near the end of the season, he got promoted. Guess what his strikeout rate was when he got promoted for his two starts in Lake County, like where he is right now. Nine, right? Just guess. Well, last year, it was 11.4 at low A. When he got promoted, it was six. Oh, okay. And this year, it's 6.1. <laughs> so it obviously, last year, it was a small sample size of two starts and nine innings, and he, only, he struck out six. But now... He's had 13 starts, 61 innings, and he's still just striking out six. Uh, Now, his numbers did improve a little bit um, because at low A, he was at 11.4 strikeouts, 1.8 walks per nine innings. And then when he got promoted, he had six strikeouts and seven walks in his nine innings. This year, he's at 6.1 strikeouts and 4.1 walks. So very, very slightly better from the small sample size, but way way worse than the larger sample size of his performance at low A. So I would definitely like to to see some more improvement at that point because I think uh, it's definitely hurting his prospect status at this point. I hate to think he's going to be the type of guy that just hits a wall that early. Yeah, it's frustrating because, I mean, he looked like a surefire, like, super stud during his low A breakout. And 
just hasn't been able to catch on in full season baseball yet. I mean, his numbers aren't terrible, but they're not, oh my God. It's just more we know about him because of he soared up the prospect rankings after his performance last year. Now, that's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward to see if those numbers can can jump. But yeah, like you mentioned, you know, only giving up one run in five innings is great yeah. from that start, but only strike out one. I mean, that's not going to get the job done, unfortunately. You, you need to miss bats as you move up. And I mean, if you want to be in the majors, you definitely need to miss bats because I mean, there's just only so many people that can get away with pitching to contact. Our number nine man is Ethan Hankins. He is he assigned? Is he ready to go this coming week too? He's in the starting rotation for Mahoning Valley. I don't I don't know what if he's gonna what day he'll be pitching, but he will be making a start, I believe, before our next podcast. Excellent. And then we've got Sam Hentkis. How did he do this week? He was great. He had a six and two thirds innings pitched in his start, allowed two runs on seven hits with one walk and five strikeouts. He got hit a little bit, but one walk and five strikeouts is huge. I mean, to keep, I mean, walks have been a big problem for him, and it seems like he's been turning it around lately. So I think for the season, he's actually got his ERA down to 4.35. I mean, it was pretty bad for a while. His strikeouts are staying right around nine per nine innings, which is great. Dropping that walk rate. So that's that's huge. Hopefully he can keep doing that moving forward because I was definitely worried about Sam Henkes after the beginning, I mean, even the first month of the season. But it seems like he's starting to settle yeah, in. He had a great. really rough start to the year. That'll do it for our top 10. But we did have uh, five players that we thought had some great performances this week uh, that we are going to give some shout outs to. So. Who is number one this week? It's Gabriel Rodriguez, and that sounds familiar. <laughs> was was he in the list last week? I believe so. And I'll actually let you. He was you in the list one, last Brian. week. <laughs> yeah, Gabriel Rodriguez was the number one international signing by the Indians last year, so he is still extremely young. This past week, he had a slash line of three sixty eight, five hundred, eight ninety five, with a two forty two <laughs> WRC plus. He hit three home runs. He had eight runs batted in. I think he's played eight games so far in his two weeks, a little over two and a half weeks or so. <laughs> he's not wasting and, any time. <laughs> and he is leading the Dominican Summer League in RBIs in those eight games with 14. <laughs> he's averaging almost two RBIs a game. This kid is like, why am I here? He wants to get send me to America, dang it. He wants to get into full season ball as quick as he can. Yeah. So he he is looking fantastic. That was obviously a player that there is a lot of hype behind, and he is living up to every last bit of it so far. I mean, this kid looks good. And I've actually if you follow Indians Pro on Twitter. Uh, Todd Paquette there he he somehow has some hookup that is recording these DSL games and we get some highlights of Gabriel Rodriguez cranking home runs in the Dominican Summer League so check those out next up who did we have Ruben Cardenas he had a very nice slash this week of 360 467 600 which I mean compared to Gabriel Rodriguez is he looks like a schlub but not a bad week (laughs) Yeah, and at a 202 WRC plus, and Ruben's a guy that is having a miniature breakout this season. Uh, he was a, I think, 16th round draft pick last year, 
as a college sign. He's been terrific so far in Lake County. I, I think he deserved to be in the all-star team. He didn't get named. Uh, it was just Will Benson and Tyler Freeman and Manuel Alvarez, a reliever. But I definitely feel like Ruben Cardenas deserved to be on that team. And I mean, he's making a case that he should be promoted. Uh, he's been good all season, just been a dependable middle of the order bet that gets on base a lot and makes a, gets a lot of extra base hits for that team. I mean, he's not slamming home runs at the rate of Will Benson, uh, but I mean, he's getting he's getting the job done, and it looks like he's ready. So, yeah, another uh, guy to keep an eye on moving forward. But yeah, he looks like a, a college bat that's you know bet ready for that next step. And then moving on, we had Rob Kaminsky, who from the past blast from the past. He's been in the organization for so long, but we have not had much time to talk about Rob. But how did he do this week? What did he do that he's on here? It was a solid week. He had two and two thirds innings pitched, only a lot of hit, no earned runs, no walks, struck out five. I, I think we've talked about before he's transitioned to the reliever role, right? Yes. Yeah, he was a starting pitcher and he got hurt every single season. <laughs> that he was with the Indians after they traded Brandon Moss for him. Oh, that's as right. A former, yeah, as a former first-round draft pick by the St. Louis Cardinals. Couldn't stay healthy. I think this is his fourth year at AA because Man, of injuries. Nobody deserves that. He did briefly, yeah, he did briefly get promoted to uh, AAA. So, I mean, he, he actually, that was his first time at AAA, and it was for like one appearance because they needed some depth temporarily you know he's having a good season at double a so far so i think it's only a matter of time until he's promoted to triple a for for good and i mean i don't know how his stuff's gonna play if it it's good enough to make uh the majors as a lefty bullpen option but it seems like at least that he's settling into the role pretty well proving that strikeout rate and keeping the walks down i mean that's that's gonna get you some play our number four guy this week and you know i added a little bit to his name just for fun and i noticed um we've got a document that we're keeping track of everything in but this week his name is elias sinbad roosevelt von morgan also known as eli morgan did he have a good week he had a great week he had one start and it was at double a but it was six and two-thirds innings pitched no runs on five hits, and I believe he struck out six. So that'll play. Really, really solid start. You know, Eli Morgan, he has not skipped a beat. He started the year at high A, got promoted to double A, and he is pitching just as well at double A as he was at high A. I'm pretty sure if you look up his uh, stats or his game log on the season, which I'm going to try to do as quietly as possible. Super silent. I want to check to see how many starts he's had this season where he gave up three runs or more. I'm guessing it's not many. My guess is two, because I was looking at his numbers earlier, and he has been... One run, one start all season where he gave up three earned runs, and it was three. And that's his worst start of the whole year. And it was a five and five and two thirds innings, three runs. That's his worst start all year. Every other start this season has been two earned runs or less or fewer. I'm, sorry. I'm legit getting more excited about him than McKenzie at this point. Just being honest. The six and two thirds innings that he just had tied his longest start of the season. Had 94 pitches, 64 were strikes. I mean, he is really doing a good job this season. Definitely another player that we kept off of our LGT top 20 
prospects in the Indian system. And then we had one more top five performer, and this one is going to get some laughs. But he deserved it, dang it. He deserved Mm -hmm. it. Mitch Talbot. Mitch Talbot. So what did Mitch do to make our top five performers? You know what? Mitch is a gamer. (laughs) And, And when it comes to the game of baseball, he's a guy that just doesn't quit. He, does, he doesn't have the, the word quit in his vocabulary. He sees a challenge. He's going to look it in the eye. And you know what he's going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to pitch three and one-thirds inning <laughs> with zero earned runs and four strikeouts at the and age no, of 35. And no walks or hits. And zero walks. He did hit a batter, but that's okay. That doesn't count he towards your whip, it. so you can hit like he 12 batters. <laughs> yeah. He was he was probably defending a player that had been <laughs> talked smack to. <laughs> but yeah, good for Mitch Talbot. I, I saw that he got signed at because uh just as a veteran depth option at triple A because several players were getting called up or released or hurt. Makes a, an appearance out of the bullpen with three and a third scoreless hitless innings with four strikeouts. Good for you, Mitch. You keep doing you, man. Keep grinding. I don't know. It it feels easy to make fun of these guys in a way, but he he pitched for the Indians in 2011. And since then, just going to go down the list on baseball reference of team names that he has pitched for. Um, Samsung in the KBO, New Orleans in the PCL, Las Vegas in the PCL, Marlins, Golf League, rookie level apparently, uh, the Gigantes, Long Island, independent ball, Hanwha back in the KBO, nothing in 2016. Sugarland, another independent league team, uh, touched base again in the Cleveland system, pitched in Columbus in 2018, but then went to the Estrellas for the rest of the season. I guess nice. pitched for Sugarland again, <laughs> and now he's home. Yeah, and he keeps this up. The Indians might have to call on him. <laughs> Talk about a journey, man. Yeah. So good for you, Mitch. You know, I know typically we like to highlight prospects and he's definitely not a prospect, but he had a great performance. So we're going to give him some love. Absolutely. I mean, we kid, but we we kid because we love. So before we get to the transactions for the week, let's do a miniature preview here for the upcoming Mahoning Valley low A season for the Cleveland Indians organization. It is a team that we mentioned that we are extremely excited about. And let's talk a little bit about the players that are going to be on this team. So I'll start with the starting rotation. For those of you that don't know, the starting rotation is going to be a right-handed pitcher, Carlos Vargas, who can throw 100 miles an hour. So yeah, he's good. I mean, he, he hasn't had, I mean, he hasn't had his breakout yet. I mean, last year, he had some good strikeout rates, but he still is developing, you know, some control and making sure that he stays, uh, you know, in the corners of the zone instead of throwing it down the middle. We'll also be having right-handed pitcher Ethan Hankins. Best fastball on the 2018 MLB draft out of all high school players. So that's another player to be really excited about. And then Matt Turner. And I believe Matt Turner is a player that is recovering from surgery or some injury. I don't think he pitched or played much last last year, as far as I remember. Uh, we also have a DSL player, a John Niver Gutierrez. And then last but not least, Liam Jenkins, 
who was, if I'm, my memory serves me correct, a 17th round pick by the Indians last year and has not been a starter normally, but was a, a bullpen option, but pitched pretty well last year and is going to be getting an opportunity. So that's the starting rotation. And then obviously for the actual roster, there are so many players to be excited about. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have Brian Rocchio, we have Raynell Delgado on in the middle infield. We have George Valera in the outfield. Jonathan Rodriguez, if you remember, you know, third round pick from two seasons ago yes. in the draft with uh, Tyler Freeman. He's been on our number 20 prospect on the Let's Go Tribe uh, for the last two seasons. So this is going to be his uh, a big, big test for him because he was in the AZL for two seasons in a row. Uh, Corey Holland was one of those high school players that the Indians signed with overslot in around 11 through 40 last year. So he was actually a top 200 player in the draft that slid out of the top 10 round and the Indians got him anyway. So that's somebody I'm very excited to see how he performs at Mahoning Valley. We have Billy Wilson, who was second in home runs in the Arizona, in the AZL last year, the, the rookie league. And Michael Cooper, another high school player that the Indians signed a couple years ago that spent two seasons in the AZL. So I'm very excited about these young bats on this team. I mean, there's definitely some great pitchers too, but these young hitters, I mean, there's there's serious, serious talent here. I mean, we've already mentioned three of our top 10 are going to be on this team. But I mean, yeah. there's people that are making arguments that there's more players on this team that could be in the top 10 for the Indians. So I'm extremely pumped about what we're going to see here. Even thinking about the raw talent that's yeah. on that team, it, it feels like it, it could be the kind of roster we look back on and think like, how in the hell were all of those guys on the same minor league team mm -hmm. at the same time, let alone a major league oh, roster? Yeah. And like, I I want to see that happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is, this is a team worth getting excited about people. So it starts Friday, get out to some games, go watch these guys play. I mean, there are some players that are on this team that are going to be in Cleveland or they are going to be traded for players that are going to be in Cleveland. <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> but hopefully Cleveland. these guys will be in Cleveland. All right, moving on. There were, not as many transactions as last week, because last week we covered two full weeks of them. We had a few injuries, and we had a new one. Normally, we just have like injuries, retirements, and releases, but we had a trade. Tim Federowitz, a veteran catcher. The Indians always stock their AAA with you know a veteran catcher or two, just in case they have an emergency, they can call him up. And Tim Federowitz was, had his emergency, the, the Rangers had an injury and they needed somebody and they wanted Tim. So the Indians traded him to the Rangers probably for cash. So thanks for everything, Tim Enjoy, and And he gets to play in the major leagues. So he's back in the MLB. Yeah. So they, I mean, he got immediately promoted. So as their backup catcher. So long and thanks for yeah, all. The exactly. Fish. I don't, as far as I know, there weren't any injuries or anything at the double a level at high a, we had a catcher, Jason Rodriguez get injured with an ankle injuries on the seven day IL Anderson Polanco went on the seven-day IL with a blister. And our good friend, Gene Carlos Mejia, who was only able to make two starts before returning to the injured list with an ab strain. So he has had a Could he frustrating just... year because he started the season, I think, with five perfect innings. It was 
it might have been five perfect. I know it was at least five no hit innings. This is his second stint on the the injured list already. He just needs to to stop doing the thing where he gets hurt and, and go back to the thing where he doesn't let anyone get on base because yeah, he's talented. The thing where he doesn't let anyone get on base is solid, and it looks like he can do a lot of it. So hopefully, the injury part of his game he can scale back on yeah. if you remember last year that's analysis yeah right that's some great analysis and if you remember last year he really turned it on in the second half of the season so i would say that hopefully he gets healthy and then he can turn it on here in the second half of the season again um and then another some sad news at single a jesse berardi was playing amazing he had about a month stretch where he was just tearing the cover off the ball and was making a case to be promoted to high a and he mm-hmm. goes on the injured list with the right hamstring strain right in the middle of his hit streak. So, unfortunately. The one thing I will say about Jesse is that it's not a calf yeah, at strain. at least his calves. So there is hope. At least his calves have not exploded. <laughs> he did not get Lonnie Chisholm syndrome. And then for the promotion side of things, we had Diano Navarro, veteran catcher, activated. He was just kind of waiting for Tim Federowitz to get traded so he could be back on the team. And Aaron Savalli, we mentioned it last week, but it got official, officially announced. Aaron Savalli was promoted to Columbus from Akron. And there was a stretch where Akron gave up 11 runs or more four straight games. And then Aaron Savalli made his start and they only gave up three runs in the whole game because he had an awesome start. I think he went either five and two thirds or six and two thirds innings and gave up two runs. So great job, Aaron Savalli. It wasn't quite good enough to make our five best, but he had a great first AAA start. So that he, and he was exactly what the doctor ordered, ordered for the Columbus rotation. Especially given the number of guys because it's Rodriguez, it's Playsack, and I mean, at least the two of those as starters have been called up so far. And is there is there's another one I'm forgetting? Uh, Pletko. So yeah, <laughs> they've they've been getting uh, their rotation just drained. So yep, and that's even being either nice to Cleveland or not nice to Cleveland, and saying that Cody Anderson doesn't and count. He's hurt, so because I don't count him anymore. And Hugh got sent to the bullpen. So, I mean, yeah, they've just had a really tough stretch for their starting rotation. Moving on, we had another big-time promotion at the AA level. Robert Broom, 10th-round draft pick by the Indians in 2018. He was promoted to AA from from High A Lynchburg, and he has had a tremendous season at Lynchburg. So, very excited to see what he can do. Pretty amazing to see so many players that the Indians drafted just last year, already at double A or higher. And then at the A-plus level, we had Mike Rivera get activated from the injured list. Randy Tatis got activated from the injured list. Aaron Pinto has been having a killer season at Lake County, and he got promoted to Lynchburg from Lake County. And then our good friend Kirk McCarty, he finally got activated from the injured list. He's been out all season, and he got activated. He has not made his first start yet, as far as I know but he did just get activated today, I believe. So next week, we'll probably hopefully be talking about his start because he is, in my opinion, one of the best left-handed starting pitching prospects in the Indian system. Last little bit here, uh, Henry Pujols was promoted to Lake County from Mahoning Valley to take uh, Jesse Berardi's place. And Cam Hill made a rehab assignment Uh, He's been out all season as well, a veteran Indians right-handed pitching option out of the bullpen, and he is making some rehab appearances with Lake County. 
So, and his first one went well. So good for you, Cam Hill. All right. We now move on to our delightful section called Indians in the Cupboard. And this is when we take some time to highlight a couple of players that each of us have decided to follow outside of the top 10. Maybe they're not guys that usually get the spotlight, but they're ones that we want to pay some attention to. Uh, And we follow them as long as we like. And for better or worse, (laughs) we report on how they did in the previous week. So I'll go ahead and kick things off. My first player this week is the pitcher, Kyle Nelson, currently at the AA level. You know, I I was a little, again, I just, I didn't feel great about what he did this week. You know, you just let me down. By by walking a guy and giving up a hit? He walked a man, (laughs) gave up a hit, and then hit another player with a pitch. Didn't give up any runs, four strikeouts, two innings pitched, but... You gotta stop letting guys on base, Kyle. Yeah, he was he was perfect for a while. No longer perfect, but still doing very well. Last week was the first run that he had given up all season, and even still for the entire season, twenty five innings pitched, point three six. Yeah, that's ERA, a pretty good. Fifteen point eight four strikeout rate. He is nasty, and I can't wait to see him in Cleveland. Unfortunately, the Indians bullpen is oh, yeah. doing so good at the major league level; it's almost holding back some of these. Uh, really good prospects that we have ready to to come to Cleveland. It's almost like you almost want the Indians to suck so that they trade some of these good bullpen options away and then we can promote these guys. Not really, but but it, it almost feels like that because there are so many good bullpen options right now that are young. No, I've thought about that too because we've got Nelson, we've got Karen Jack, we've mm-hmm. got Sam. And now Broom. They all look like they could be... Exactly. All look like they can be relief aces slash closers at the major league level. And now they're suddenly stuck. What? And that was supposed to be our biggest weakness heading into this season. And it's actually been our biggest strength. Yeah. Go figure. Stupid Stupid baseball. baseball. The other player I've been following is Mark Mathias. He had a good Mm -hmm. week again. Hit 308, 357, 538. Getting a little extra slug into his game. Uh, That was courtesy of a double and a triple. Only struck out a couple of times in 14 plate appearances and don't want to totally dunk on a question that we've mm-hmm. got coming up at the end of our show. But he he continues to make his case as to whether maybe he should be a major league baseball player. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's almost time, man. I mean, we, we campaigned for Bobby Bradley last week. Like we we pleaded for them to call up Zach Playsack. And I think that we've been rewarded for that one. We look pretty smart. And I think it's getting ready. I spe- you know, Jason Kipnis now is dealing with injuries, a hip problem. It doesn't sound like an injury that happens to young people. So let's, <laughs> no, let's see what Mark Mathias can do. I mean, right now, our backup option for our left-handed second baseman with matchup problems against lefties is a left-handed backup infielder. So how about having a right-handed option? We don't need nine guys in the bullpen. A guy that can actually play second base. Yeah. I, I want to see Mark Mathias in the major leagues right now. I think that he's ready. I really do. He's earned it. He's had a tremendous season. Um, he's putting up good numbers. He's getting on base. His power is improving. Uh, he's ready. I think he's ready. So I want to see Mark Mathias on the Indians at some point this year. The sooner the better. And if it takes a Jason Kipnis DL stint to do it, then so be it. But I think I would like to see him 
in an Indian's uniform. And I would at least like to see him platooning with Jason Kipnis so that Kipnis never has to hit against a lefty the rest of the season. The rest of his life. Are you kidding me? Well, just this season, because that's the end of his time in Cleveland. (laughs) He can go hit as many lefties as he wants for other teams. Possibly in Detroit. So who who were the guys that you had in the cupboard this week, Brian? Well, I've been following Oscar Gonzalez, and he didn't have the greatest week with a 200 batting average. But normally, if he had a 200 batting average, his on-base percentage would be either 200 or 201. But it was 333. How is that possible, you may ask? Was he hit by three pitches? No. He walked three times. What? In a week. And it was a rain-shortened week. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of these numbers are skewed this week because there were several games that weren't played because of rain. And Oscar Gonzalez walked three times. He didn't walk the first month and a half of the season. (laughs) And it was so funny that they actually had him sign the ball. (laughs) and gave it to him like as a keepsake. They kept the ball from his first walk of the season. That's how big of a deal it was. And now the madman's going out and walking three times in the same week. He almost walked as many times as Nolan Jones. He may have walked as many times as Nolan Jones. How many times? Nolan Uh, Jones walked three times this week. Oscar Gonzalez walked as many times as Nolan (laughs) Jones. Are you kidding me? The man who leads... All of the Indians minor leagues, I think maybe all of minor league baseball in walks. And Oscar Gonzalez tied him for walks this week. Way to go, Oscar. So even though he didn't hit amazing, the fact that he walked three times is a big deal. So I don't know if there were three pitches or four pitches that were so far out of the zone he couldn't have swung at them if he threw his bat. I don't know. Three walks in a, in a week is a milestone for sure. And then Eli Morgan was my other uh, player, and he, we obviously already talked about him, but he had a great start with the six innings. And on the season, he has a 1.83 ERA, a 2.93 FIP. He is striking out 10.3 batters per nine innings and just walking 2.2. So Eli Morgan, you have yourself a season, not just a day. You have yourself a season. He looks so good. He does. For a player that's not blowing people away with upper 90s gas, I mean, that that makes it even more impressive that he's not just pitching well, but he is striking, make, making batters miss. I mean, he's he's just a really talented pitcher. and I think uh, it's only a matter of time until he gets his opportunity as well. Now, he's not, you know, getting a big velocity spike like Zach Playsack did and and then that helps him translate his game to the majors. So there may be a learning curve with Eli. I don't know if he'll just get called up and immediately have success. But, you know, when you have really good secondary stuff like he does, that could help a lot. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. And I think, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if by the end of this season, he's at least in AAA. So we now move on to the final section of the podcast in which we answer some questions from listeners. Uh, the first one from Mark Meyer. How is Mitch Talbot still a thing in 2019? And man, <laughs> just just enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it. And <laughs> he's 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 a veteran. And when you're a veteran, uh, you know, a journeyman type arm, there is always going to be a place for you because there are teams that have those needs where somebody got injured or somebody got called up and they don't have somebody that they feel is ready to be promoted from a lower level. Maybe there's just a a void at the moment in that particular area. So 
there's always going to be a need for, you know, those journeyman right-handed pitchers. And that's what Mitch Talbot does. I think he's right-handed. And especially on the Indians right now with three of their starting rotation uh, on the injured list. I mean, what sure. better opportunity? And not just those three, but then you have Cody Anderson getting hurt at AAA and Jeffrey Rodriguez now hurt as well, who was one of the guys spilling in. So... That's five starting pitchers that the Indians have injured at the moment. I mean, Code Clevenger's about to be activated, but still, that's five pitchers on the disabled list. Then is Mitch Talbot just looked at that and went, oh, yeah, started rubbing his hands together. Paycheck. Call my agent, baby. I'm, I am done with Mexico. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Korea. That is how Mitch Talbot's still a thing. And, it, and if you're still going out there and getting the job done, then you are helping give those teams a chance to – develop their prospects you know they don't want to be in games where they're getting killed every game that was what was happening i mentioned it they had four games in a row where they gave up 11 runs or more you're not going to learn a lot in those games as a good prospect you need to be in games where you're competitive and having to 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 get out there and prove yourself and you're not getting to prove much when you're getting beat like 13 to 3 you'll learn things yeah not good things yeah not good things (laughs) So the next question, what do we have? Uh, from Stan Finger on the Twitter, which pick from this year's draft will be the first to hit the show to make it to Major League Baseball? I think it. there's two that I think have the, the top chance. Um, I, I don't think it'll be any of the prep players. The Indians drafted several young uh, high school players. It'll be a college player. I mean, I could... Say Hunter Gaddis is probably the most likely candidate. He was drafted in the fifth round out of Georgia State. He has some nasty stuff. Didn't have the best numbers this past year, but, I mean, he has really good strikeout stuff. If the Indians decide to move him to a bullpen role, then he could go through the system quickly, similar to a lot of the you know Kyle Nelsons and Nick Sandlins and Robert Brooms. Yep, some of those relievers we've seen Karen checks, yeah. So that's a possibility. And depending on what they do with the Xavion Curry, who has a filthy breaking ball, he was drafted in the seventh round out of Georgia Tech, not Georgia State, like Gaddis was. But he is another talented uh, pitching prospect and very possible that he could make it quickly through the system, depending if the Indians put him in the bullpen or not. If he's a starting pitcher, I think it'll take longer. If he's in the bullpen with his killer breaking stuff, he could come, go through it quickly as well. That is my two picks, I think, that have the, the best chance to come through the system quickly. I like both of those. Mm-hmm. I know exceptionally less about <laughs> the players in the draft than you do. But I don't know, man. Matt Waldron. First of all, good first name. Second of all, decent last name. Drafted from college. Seven walks and 93 strikeouts as a senior. That is a Indian's draft profile. Uh, yeah. Like literally he fits the you, mold. Yeah, you, you point at that and go, and you don't look at the name or any or where he's from or anything, and you just see those numbers and you go, yeah, the Indians drafted that dude. <laughs> yep. He's got the he's 6'2", 185, based on what I'm looking at. So he's got the, the build for the major league game, but. I have no idea. <laughs> he just he You know what's going to be funny like, is I, I do the research and learn about these guys and Matt Waldron's going to end up being the one that makes it. <laughs> and you just get to shove it in my face and 
in two years or three years. When he wins the Cy Young, because obviously. We had another question from Stan. Uh, it was another good one, so I don't feel bad about taking one from the same guy twice, which was, uh, which three minor leaguers have been the most pleasant surprises so far this year? Uh, Zach Playsack, number one. I mean, it's not even oh, close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Starting the year at A and just destroying his numbers from last year and showing that improvement, then doing the same thing in AAA and then getting called to the majors and looking really good in the majors. Even with today's start, that wasn't amazing. I mean, he he had some pretty good moments in today's start as well. After those two back-to-back home runs to start the game, he settled down and I think had 12 batters taken out in a row. So, yeah, Zach Playsack for sure. After that, you look at players that maybe – weren't on top prospect lists that are performing really well. So Eli Morgan, definitely, who we have given a ton of love to uh, this season. This player was on a prospect list, but I think he is exceeding expectations. And it's been Daniel Johnson. I mean, oh yeah, we didn't really know a lot about him because the Indians just traded for him in the offseason. But I mean, we barely had him in the top 20 for the Indians prospect list. And he legitimately looks like you know, top 10, if not top five, he'll be, if he keeps it up, he'll be in Cleveland by the end of the season as well after starting the year in double A. So at least for me, that's Daniel Johnson. I mean, there's, there are several other players that could be, uh, is there any that are coming to mind that, you know, weren't top prospects, but are really having great seasons? I mean, I would, Robert Broom is a guy that comes to mind and, and sort of in the same vein, Kyle Nelson, the inexplicable, I think the question is in spirit more what are the most interesting stories about the indian system that we weren't expecting and this sudden emergence of a handful of relievers after more than a half decade of just being unable to develop that kind of arm all of a sudden we have like like we can miss on three guys and still possibly end up with like a legitimate major league closer that's not something that we've had the luxury of doing for maybe even a decade at this point. Then you throw in James Karinchak, who really wasn't a top 20 LGT prospect either, and the start that he had yeah. in the season. So, yeah, this has been a really fun year for Indians bullpen. I mean, I, I've noticed almost every time I do a minor league recap, every game I'll mention, you know, the starter, he was whatever he did, you know, six innings, three runs, or whatever they did. And then I'll mention Decent. the bullpen didn't give up any runs. It's almost every recap of every game. <laughs> it feels like the bullpen is never giving up runs. So the Indians bullpens at the minor league level this year have been really, really good. So our last question comes from Goth Pizza Rat, and I'll read it in full. Considering bat only, how many Indians minor leaguers would you rather have in the lineup over Kipnis right now? I can think of at least seven. Yes. Seven. <laughs> I'm, I am still waiting on my check for naming Indians in the cover. Your check is in Thank the mail, you, Goth Pizza Rat. It's coming. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right now, in terms of players, I, I could list right now that I would rather have in the lineup than Kipnis. Uh, Daniel Johnson, Mark Mathias, Bobby Bradley, Greg Allen. Those are all four at AAA right now. Right. I'd throw in Kai I. Tom, who was having a breakout season at Double A. I would yeah, rather the way ha- he's been playing. I can't quite say Ernie Clement uh, at Double A. Are there any other Triple A players I would rather have? Uh, I can't say Stamets because we've already seen that, and that was not pretty. Um, but yeah, I think those four 
would be mine. I mean, you can think of seven and props to you, but I, I thought of four at the AAA level that I think could do it. And I'm not counting guys like Brandon Barnes and Trace Thompson and Ryan Flaherty, who are veterans. I'm thinking more prospects, but you mentioned minor leaguers, so maybe you're counting them. I'm counting prospects, and I think of four that I would rather see right now. So I hope that answers your question. And I, for the most part, completely agree with you there. It's, I think we can all kind of agree that Kipnis might be done, and we want someone that can actually contribute. And man... I definitely don't want to see him in the cleanup spot anymore. Please, God, Not no, even against again. I don't even... You remember Kipnis's May of 2015? Yeah. I wouldn't even have wanted him in the cleanup spot then because he wasn't slugging. He was just getting on base three times a game. Like, that's perfect if you're the number two hitter. So even at Kipnis's best of all time, no, he shouldn't be hitting yeah, cleanup. He's only hit home runs. The and... man hasn't hit an opposite field home run since 2013. He should not be hitting cleanup. Mm-hmm. And he's only hit home runs in one game this year. He hit two in that game, but still. I think he's an awesome person. He's been great for the Indians organization and it's time to just get him a good plot in the graveyard next to the field and let him lay down. Oh man. You old yellered him. I old yellered him. Like I, I shook his hand once it it was a white Sox game. I was standing on the Indian side and it happened to be next to his parents had no idea whatsoever. He comes up, walks up to his dad's like, Hey, yeah, no, I got I got to work today. Sorry, I'll see you guys later for dinner. Joking around with him, and she's just high fiving all the fans. I could just shake his hand, and his mom's like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, see you after work, Jason." He runs off. Nice guy, good family, but he's just got to stop playing baseball. <laughs> it's time. On that positive note, that's the podcast, everybody. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for everyone that uh, stuck with us. We ran close to an hour this week, but. We had a lot to cover. Yeah, we had a good cause. I enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week. Go Scrappers. Go Scrappers.